Hi everyone, I'm Evie. I'm Nicole. And I'm Bernie, and you're listening to Woke Woke Docs, a podcast about the lives of women of color in medicine and health justice. Today we'll be listening to an amazing medical student and one of my dearest friends, India Perez Urbano, who's a first year medical student at UCSF. In this episode, we'll hear more about her passion for harm reduction work and how she continues to be an advocate for her own self-care and communities in need. From studying sociology in college to starting a needle exchange nonprofit in her hometown, we'll talk more about India's journey into and through medicine. And even when her schedule is hella busy, India still finds time to create new electives at UCSF, write poetry, and go to her favorite evening yoga class. And at the end of this episode, you'll hear one of India's poems from her email subscription called Dulce, which honors women of color through prose. Named after her grandmother, we hope it is a source of inspiration for all of our listeners. So stay woke, y'all, and thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, why don't we start today off with a little check-in? Let's talk about what's a victory you have going on in your life? One victory. One victory. Do you want to start, EVA? Sure. Okay. Um, <laughs> my victory, I would say, is that I have been going to the gym more. So I went three times last week, and today's Monday. Went again today. It was for like 20 minutes, but you know, you had to squeeze in a quick workout. <laughs> so I'm proud of myself for going for those 20 minutes because sometimes, you know, you're like, right. oh, I don't have that much time. Do I even really want to go? Mm-hmm. And so you'll say like, nah, it's not worth it. But I actually made my butt change into my gym clothes went to the gym, did a little elliptical workout, put that stuff on high, and just gave it my all. And you know what? I'm just trying to, like, just get in the habit. So I'm proud of myself for doing that. What so, about you guys? So your regular is the elliptical? Elliptical or treadmill. The treadmills were all taken. Or if I want to, like, study, then sometimes I'll go on the bike. Or study or read. Because mm. I can just, like, sort of, like, or even be on my phone. You know, I can just sort of comfortably be back and then just pedal away. But... I like the elliptical because it has cable, and that's the only time I get to watch <laughs> TV in the week, to be honest. Like, you never know. Blackish may be on. There may be a movie. They were showing Ray the other day. So, like, it just it just depends on the day. But I like the elliptical because, yeah, there's the TV. Um, treadmill, too. But the treadmill is, like, people are always trying to be on it. So it's just easier to not. But anyways, yes, Jim, that's my victory. You want a popcorn? And, um, yeah, Nicole, what's your victory? My victory is that... It was raining on Friday, it was really cold, and I got out to go salsa dancing at this club that's close by, and I hadn't been in forever, and I learned kizomba, and it was such a beautiful dance, and I just had the best time. I was like, oh, I'm going to be home reasonably by 11 so I can get up early the next day. Nope, I was home at 1, and it was great, and I didn't regret it at all. Honestly, I respect you for that because Friday it was raining and I thought, I'm not leaving this house. <laughs> I really wanted to. I was like, oh, you know, like first Fridays, maybe I'll go out. It'll be really fun. And then I saw the rain and I was like, you know what? It's not going to happen for me. So props to you for seeing the rain, still going out and having a good time. Okay, Bernie. Yeah, um, my victory is that finally after a month of being like just very like Oh, man. Basically, what happened was um, I've had this, like, nose piercing since my gap year in India. And it was, like, one of the best things ever because, like, I was never really a jewelry person until, like, I got this nose set. And I was like, wow, this really, I feel like, you know, when, like, a piece of jewelry just, like, brings out a part of you Mm -hmm. and, like, becomes your personality. So, like, that's 
what happened when I got that nose stud basically like two a year and a half ago two years ago but basically like I tried to like change it two months ago and then like that was a disaster (laughs) and my whole clothes but then yeah this past weekend I finally got it like re-pierced and I changed my stud to something that was so meaningful so now it's just like very beautiful like um white gold flower with this like I think it's called like blue topaz something something in the middle it's a stone it's beautiful but anyways it just I feel like it brings out this part of me again that like I look in the mirror and I'm like yes like I love this and so yeah I feel like that's my that's my victory and yeah I'm gonna popcorn it to our guest today we are so excited to have you India what is your check-in what's going well for you check-in um thank you for having me um I over winter break felt like I needed to become more militant (laughs) I felt like I felt like I wasn't militant enough so one way I'm trying to do that is like surround myself with more reading so I've been reading more and I haven't read for fun since like I don't even know like even high school like wasn't even reading for fun you know that was like (laughs) reading for school so I'm reading Asada Shakur's book right now and I've been making space her autobiography sorry I've been making space every day to read it and it's such a great book and I'm learning so much and so I'm proud of myself for that yes good for you how much time do you spend reading every day I read, well, I have like a 25-minute shuttle ride to school every day. So I'll read on the shuttle there That's and back. Perfect. Yeah, I think I it's really like cool it's when you can like carve mm-hmm. out that time. Let's have that dedicated yeah. time. Yeah, that's good. Because otherwise, it's like I'm on Instagram. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. You know, I have no excuse. <laughs> good for you. Okay, well, since we have you here, we're, like we said, we're really happy that you're here, India. We want to learn a little bit more about you and like your journey to medicine if you wouldn't mind sharing, just tell us sort of how you got here. Yeah. Um, wow. I feel like it's been such a long journey. You talk so much about going to medical school for years you and talk. years and years. You just talk about it like it's this thing. And right. then you're like in medical school and you're like, wow, this is different. Um, I <laughs> That really hit. I was yeah, like, That's you're so like, true. wow, I'm actually doing what I said I was doing. <laughs> what I've been trying to do for 10 years right um oh god I feel like so I grew up my stepdad was a physician um and so he was a huge influence in my life of of like I saw medicine through his lens a lot and he worked in the South Bronx like with uh he was like really passionate about working with underserved communities. He worked a lot. His research, his clinical research was around injection drug use and hepatitis C. So his type of work is what I was exposed to and what I understood medicine was for a long, long time. <laughs> I now know there's many different facets of medicine and not everybody is doing work like Definitely that. the exception. Um, yeah, and so I always saw medicine as like this uh, – like giving people the opportunity to be an agent of change in a very specific way. And I was a sociology major in college. And so, I mean, we're all into the like micro, meso, macro levels of society and like looking at patterns and looking at policy. And I think so. like sociology in general is intrinsically very social justice minded, at least that was my exposure at Harvard. Um, So my interest lied in, in how do these like if you think macro, <coughs> society, policy, 
etc structural oppression meso like community level culture and then micro like the individual person i feel like all of those intersected and and all of these things kind of interacted in a way that really manifested on pe people's human bodies right so I, and at, at harvard i did a lot of work on hiv um and addiction and all of these like what we consider risky health behaviors and working a lot to kind of decontextualize that or like dissect it a little bit um, and understand it in a sociological perspective. But I felt like medicine was that way that you can really work on the individual body. I think that like the body reflected what was happening in society and what was happening in your own little world, in your home. And so that's kind of where I came in as like, this is where I can make a big impact, like a very meaningful impact on like these issues that I study and that I look at and that I'm interested in learning about. Um, and kind of the medicine just followed, right? Like <laughs> now, I <laughs> now I know more about the medicine, and it's 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 very different. Um, uh, not it's very different, but I'm just learning a lot about medicine in medical school, and I think that's something that I never would have thought. <laughs> right, like people, like no, I think that like people assume that if you are pre-med, mm. like you have yep. a hundred percent, a hundred and ten percent understanding of what it means to be a doctor. Oh, definitely not. But you don't, and I think it's really crazy that we spent all these years like investing our time into going into medicine, but not really knowing exactly what that means. Yeah, we were just talking about that uh, last week. We were saying about how crazy it was that we spent all this time learning about the biochem and the this and that and all those things like we invest all of our time in and we study for hours for and those things aren't what are what's making us like an actual like good doctor that's not what's mm -hmm. making us a good clinician right. so it's like we're learning so much of that i think now in medical school that we never learned in pre-med they like never talked about all those things that are affecting yeah. like you said that macro meso yeah. micro yeah. level and i think it's interesting because i've there's certain people that I've spoken to that I, I tell them about my interests. And I've gotten the comment a lot of like, well, why don't you just, uh, oh gosh, why don't you just go to social work school? Or why don't you just get a PhD in sociology? Or like, why didn't, all these other things mm -hmm. that are not medicine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they've come at me in like problematic ways and sometimes not, like in just a genuine question. But I kind of love that question now because it's like, well, that's why I'm here. Like, if you mm. can't connect mm -hmm. this to medicine, mm. then the field's all wrong, mm. right? Because, like, the health yes. and medicine isn't doesn't live in isolation. And you need... And also, there's already people doing that in medicine, right? So for there to be this, like, perception that medicine is so separate from social justice or so separate from, like, sociology or whatever, like... Is just a wrong. Is just wrong, right? Or you know what I mean? That it's sell or wrong. It's just You're wrong. wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. And I think it's great to just continue pushing people's like, mm. just challenge people and say, well, like, why? Like, why would I need to be a nurse or a social worker to do this? Like, why can't I be a doctor and still mm. do that? I probably can do it mm -hmm. as effectively or more effectively or effectively in a different way. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? In a different mm -hmm. space. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. And I know you did a little bit of like work in needle exchange and stuff like that in undergrad. So for those of you who don't know, 
India also went to Harvard with Bernie and me. So I remember I would always see emails from you like needle exchange, this, that. And I'm like, who is this girl? What is she doing? Needle exchange, what's emails that? Emails have not stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Wait, that's still, amazing though. Still emails now in medical school. Right. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about like what needle exchange was back then and sort of what your interests in harm reduction are now? I, I, sorry, just to interrupt that, I feel like we should have, like, a five-year challenge of, like, India's emails from Harvard, and then, like, now. <laughs> oh, my God, actually. <laughs> Which is, like, amazing. I've become very notorious in my emails. Like, apparently, I format them well. Yeah, they're, they're beautiful. <laughs> they're really good-looking emails. They're <laughs> captivating. Um, so, yeah, my freshman year, I got involved in um, HIV, like, global health HIV advocacy work. And to be honest, over the years, I got really tired of that and mm. really tired of like meeting with legislators and like mm. re- talking very nebulously about like global health and the, ep- and the epidemic, like all these mm. things that like these 10 little like students at Harvard were doing like once a week. You know what I mean? It was just yeah, seemed yeah, like yeah. very <laughs> <laughs> not effective, like we weren't doing much. Um, mm. Not to say that that work isn't like valuable. I think you have to invest a lot of time mm-hmm. to do that work and do it well. Um, but you're coming from the ivory tower exactly and we're coming from Boston but like trying to advocate for people in like sub-Saharan Africa like it just Mm -hmm. like was a hot mess to me (laughs) for a little (laughs) bit so I was trying to look for different ways that I could work with HIV and I was also realizing like HIV is a huge problem still like Mm -hmm. in Boston like in my country Mm -hmm. Um, so why not start there Um, so then I discovered this world of like needle exchange and harm reduction. Um, and the first needle exchange program I went to was uh, the Corner Project, which is in Washington Heights in New York City. And over mm-hmm. winter break, I volunteered there like every day basically for like a few weeks. And it was like my most amazing experience. And you walk in and they're like, it's in Washington Heights. If no one knows mm-hmm. New York, like it's the Dominican like, yeah. like Mecca, like on, it's like this big enclave of Dominican people in New York. And as soon as you walk in, they're like playing bachata and there's people mm-hmm. everywhere and they're like so welcoming and they're like um, so warm. It's like so fa- family oriented. And I was like, wow, like I've never seen this before. And it was completely for and built, like built for and like led by other people who use drugs. And it was so, such a normalizing space it was just like so unique I've never seen anything like that before so I automatically fell in love with that and then decided to volunteer at a hope which is a needle exchange program in Boston and so it's like the only needle exchange program in the city there's one in Cambridge but Cambridge is technically not Boston so um, that was a really interesting experience just like working there and like traveling the hour from like Harvard Square to south end of Boston which is Mm. where the needle exchange was um which also this neighborhood was like being very gentrified very quickly um and uh I just learned a lot there I learned a lot about also I feel like harm reduction in general involves a lot of medicine it involves a lot of self-education like if you think back to the HIV epidemic or an ACT UP had to teach themselves medicine and they had Mm -hmm. doctors come in to Mm -hmm. their meetings and teach them about like their immune system, about these drugs, about HIV viruses, about all these very medical things. Like I feel like that's at the core of a lot of health advocacy 
for a lot of people. And so at the needle exchange program, we had to teach people like about their vasculature, like don't inject in your jugular vein or like Mm -hmm. circulate like where you're injecting for this reason, that reason and that reason. And so there's a lot of education that's involved that's really interesting, I think. And it's very empowering for people to like learn these like um, medical terminology, like Mm -hmm. about their own bodies, learn about their anatomy. Um, So yeah, that was a great experience. And then I decided like, I didn't know what I was gonna do after college, but I knew I was gonna take time off. And I was also hearing about people passing away from my high school in, uh, I'm from Rockland County, New York. So it's this suburban county, like (laughs) pretty conservative. It's half an hour north of the city and um, predominantly white. And I particularly grew up in like the whiter, more affluent, more conservative part of Rockland. And, um, but people from my high school like kept passing away weirdly of like opioid overdose, but like no one was talking about it. And then I would look more into it and there's a lot of like the rate of overdose death increased crazy, increased in crazy uh, amount over the last like 10 years, like HIV was going up. And there's just a lot of things happening that no one was really talking about. So I applied for a public service grant to like go to Rockland after college to uh, start a harm reduction organization. So I basically did that. And my goal was really to, we've never had harm reduction in Rockland County before, mm-hmm. um, and let alone like a needle exchange program. So my goal was to go in and kind of get the county approved for the first syringe exchange program. So just for our listeners who don't know, can you just give a little brief explanation on what harm reduction is? Because we've been talking a lot about it, but just so people really understand. That's a good, let's backtrack. Um, <laughs> Harm reduction is kind of like these this set of principles and approaches and tools to help people reduce their harm. Um, I know that's like not, I'll give you a few examples. So uh, <laughs> um, for example, um, let's say like seatbelts are a form of harm reduction, right? We assume that people are gonna get in cars and drive in cars, but in order for them to reduce their harm of death or like really fatal, and life-threatening car accidents, we've introduced seatbelts. In other countries, you'll see like heroin therapy, um, heroin, uh, like assisted therapy for people who have chronic pain. Um, And so there's, in America, we have a very demonizing Mm. look on drugs and harm reduction is there to kind of contradict that. Um, So yeah, it's like really, I think the philosophy of harm reduction can be applied across all fields and across basically everything of just the motto of harm reduction is meeting people where they're at. Mm -hmm. So you understand where they are um, and it takes time to understand where people are at. And you don't make assumptions, you don't make judgments, and you don't enforce your own agenda. That's kind of like the guiding principles of harm reduction. What's your current work at UCSF on harm reduction? So I started a uh, interest group for people who are interested in harm reduction, addiction medicine. And this is not the first iteration of a group like this. We've UCSF has had, has had few before, but I guess they've always died out um, for reasons that are under- understandable. Things it's hard to kind of sustain groups like this. Um, but so far, we've done a few 
events, educational events for the community, for the medical community at UCSF that have been pretty cool. One around like overdose and overdose prevention, one about medication assisted treatment, which we now just call medication treatment. Um, but like things like buprenorphine, suboxone and methadone. Um, and then we just had one on trauma informed care and harm reduction. So we're kind of like trying to get everyone up to speed to like what harm reduction is. And the UCSF does a lot of work, does a lot of research. And the San Francisco in general does a lot of work in harm reduction, which is really awesome to be around. So it makes sense that there should be a group around it anyways. Um, but yeah. She's very humble. She really got this interest group going like off the ground, guys. And it's like doing, it's, <laughs> it's doing fabulously. And it's really cool to see so many classmates really interested in it. And know creating events I, I think there was something with harm reduction at the homeless clinic last week like there's things happening frequently so I think uh, I've definitely seen you pushing just to like educate our classmates on it and just seeing like what because the more that we know the more that we can empower others and I think that's really cool so the homeless clinic was not us but oh. because the homeless clinic they've had a, a leadership position for harm reduction for the longest time so they do a lot of harm reduction work which is great oh, that's really yeah 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 which is really awesome but you are definitely humble because y'all, India is the author of a chapter oh, in a textbook. <laughs> and we are definitely going to brag about that for you, oh all right? Goodness. Like, going <laughs> right. studying what she wrote. Right. Wow. <laughs> What's the name of the textbook again? Oh, God. It's the uh, ASAM textbook called Principles of Addiction Medicine. I think ASAM stands for American Society... Addiction medicine. Right. Something, whatever, really simple. Um, and it's like this textbook that's used for addiction medicine fellowship, like fellows. Yeah, no big deal. So, that's so just a first year medical student who has right. a chapter for oh fellows <laughs> to read. Just, in, just in the author credits, I like wasn't a student. So it literally says like India Prasarbana. It's like research assistant. <laughs> like, <laughs> Albert Einstein, like, name's still there, <laughs> and it's like B A, B A, everyone like M D, M D, M D. You know what? That makes it even more special, though, because they're like. And the editors will even be like, Doctor Prasarbana. I'm like, uh, it's just India. <laughs> Take it. Soon to be Doctor Prasarbana. I love it. You're doing really cool work, so yeah. we're happy that you're here and able yeah. to share the work that you do all the listeners mm -hmm. but enough about just the work we yeah. want to know more about just like who you are like what do you do to stay grounded what do you do for fun that type of thing wow. give us a little um, rundown <laughs> I feel like I yeah self care is like a new thing for me mm. um, but it's been great like y'all should all do it like, <laughs> why? Why has I, don't know, it been I think new? women of color are not mm. taught to like engage in self care. We're taught to like give a lot of ourselves mm. and then just deal with it mm -hmm. or suppress it. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so many nods in the room, y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's really terrible. So I've been the biggest thing for me is that I have a studio, so I live alone in SF, which is wildly expensive, but like the like best thing that I ever could have done mm -hmm. and mostly just because my personality like I need like space sometimes like I I need to just like recharge like I'm very energetic 
in social settings, but it drains me like to the core. So I, I need to like feel <laughs> it so hard. I need to go home and like be alone. And um, I also have a cat. So my mom got me this cat, <laughs> who's literally my son, my husband, my. <laughs> My <laughs> she really talks about her cat like he's yeah. Yeah, all those things. <laughs> he's everything to, to me and more. Out. Like, <laughs> and he's also like hella obsessed with me too. So like, <laughs> I can't be it's in my a house. Mutual thing. Yeah, all right. it's very mutual. Um, so he, yeah, like animals are very therapeutic to me. And I got him in college, so he's been around for a minute. Um, so yeah, I have. My cat, I like to cook a lot because I like to eat a lot. And so, like, naturally, I have to cook <laughs> for myself <laughs> to keep up. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I cook a lot and I like really, like, love, like, you know, just like, I don't know, in, in, in investing in like my food so, or my groceries. Um, <laughs> so, that's great. And I've also like done a lot of yoga recently over the summer. I did like group me's for yoga, not group me's, sorry, Groupons for yoga. Mm. If y'all have ever, uh, it's amazing. I would get these like Groupons where I could do unlimited for a month and I would go to yoga every day, like literally. <laughs> oh wow, what has, what has yoga given you? Um, I hate exercising. Mm-hmm. Like with a burning passion. <laughs> so this is like, this is like my way of exercising. That's and it's real. like so fun to me and I did, mm-hmm. Like aerial yoga this summer, <laughs> and like hot yoga. So it's like masking this like moving my body thing, you know, mm. that I don't like to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, it's just very like uh, you just dedicate time to just focusing on yourself and like mm-hmm. being in tune with your body. And I think that's like really important. I've like become a lot more in tune with my body and like you start to notice cycles and your body changing and your emotions and you get like really in tune with everything just because you spend that time just literally listening to your body and like yeah. nothing else. So that's been really um, just great to, to do that. Um, but yeah, yoga to the people, 16th and mission. Yes, or downtown Berkeley. You guys have Berkeley. one in, in Berkeley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, am a re- I am a regular at the Berkeley. Me it's too, great. yeah. I'm going to go yeah. at nine today. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. Look at you. I want mm-hmm. to. Yeah. You, do you do those collective breaths in class? Yes. Yeah. Right. They're so fun. They're really fun and I wish so. I could do them just regular days, like throughout my day. Like, <laughs> yeah. they, like they make you do these collective breaths where you have to like exhale all your breath, and they make you go like shh. So everyone in the room is like shh. <laughs> And then, <laughs> and then you breathe yeah. in like huge breath, and then they make you go like ah or hmm. Like you have to yeah. exhale it with these certain noises, and yeah. everyone does it together. I like the fact that everyone does it together. together yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, cool. Have you always done this, or is this something new that developed? And if it's new, like what inspired you? Yeah, no, yoga is a new thing. Y- yoga specifically, or I think just in general, like in your self care and your no, focus. no, <laughs> like not at all. <laughs> um, I don't know what changed. Um, I guess during my gap year, I think my gap year was very draining for me, mm-hmm. 
And I had to find ways to like take care of myself. There was like a lot of things happening besides my work. Also, my work was really like me trying to run this nonprofit, running around this entire county, like meeting people. Like it was just a lot of work. And then on top of that, like my family was moving from New York to South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I was in charge of selling the house. So like, <laughs> there's like all these things. Oh yeah, God. there's like all yeah. of these. <laughs> All of these things that were happening at once and applying to med school. And so I was like, I need to kind of. There's like, give me one hour of yoga. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, all I ask. That's, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think it was my gap year. Just like out of like necessity of needing to like dedicate scheduled time for myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, for those of you guys who don't know this, I spend a lot of time with India, so I do. She's also a, a plant mama, right? Oh my Yay. god, plants! Um, yeah, plants are very therapeutic. They are. Yeah. I feel like they change the air. Like, <laughs> they do change the air. They, yeah, They're, yeah. They really do. Mm-hmm. And just like caring for something just makes me really excited. So, future mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. OB guy over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like weirdly very maternal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you ever feel like? I, you had mentioned something in the beginning where you're like, yeah, a lot of women of color are taught not to take care of themselves. Do you ever feel guilty for just being like, nah, this is me? Or like, have you established any like mantras or just like affirmations to yourself where you're like, this space is my space or whatever? Um, mm-hmm. And really just justifying like this self-care is so necessary. Yeah, I think. I've gotten that question before of like, can you do too much self-affirmation or like too much self-care? I mean, I don't know. I don't think that like my self-care gets in the way, it doesn't take up that much space in Mm. my life that it like takes away from other things or takes away from like my time with people. And I think I always like would try as best as possible to include other people in my self-care stuff. (laughs) So I'm always trying to make EVA come to yoga with me. <laughs> but <laughs> other people. No. <laughs> but it's okay. What happened? I'm not the, I have so many friends who love yoga and I just I've tried it and it's just not I can see my that. favorite thing. I can thing. see it's not your favorite. I just think I like to move so yeah. much more. Oh, yeah, you're a dancer. Yeah. So I mean I respect people who do it and I've done it and like I think there have been like two times where I've done it where I was like, oh, that was really nice. Mm-hmm. Other times I'm just like, other times I think I'm really in my head. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, it'd be a really hard position and then I'm in pain. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I can see this. I can really you know see what it. You I mean? Because I could just be like, I would be like, oh my gosh, this hurts so much. When is this, when can we move out of this mm-hmm. position? So I feel like I get really in my head. No, but I have bad respect. Like, it's just not like my. <laughs> if you ask me to exercise, like I'll just go run or go on. The I think you have too much like energy or something for <laughs> yoga. Possibly. Yeah, yeah. But like in a good way, in a good way. No, it's in a good way. I love to stretch though. Like I really can spend a lot of time just stretching, and I feel not that yoga is stretching. Like, but I feel like there there is stretching in yoga. So it's like you know you would think that I would really enjoy that part, but mm-hmm. I think. You just have me up with my leg in the air, holding it, and my glasses are falling off my face, and it's hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just stressed. Mm-hmm. 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 I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> stressed. But I'm going to go to yoga with you one of these days. Yeah, you I should do. come. 
I love like when you're doing your like different like self care. When India's like, I'm gonna cook. I'm like, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, you're not allowed to come to my house without me feeding you. Like mm. it's just not. And she'll feed you so well. It's guys. just not allowed. Period. What did your mom call you? <laughs> what did she call me? The Dominican Martha Stewart. Oh wow, <laughs> embarrassing. Yes, but she does. <laughs> she really does. She really, you really truly are. She'll really be whipping up things for us. Brunch, brunch. Honestly, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I've had it all from you. I mean, but like in my like Dominican culture, that's how we show love. Like, mm. if you ask like my mom, like that's how her mom showed her love. Like, not really in any other forms of besides like mm -hmm. I'm gonna cook for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. my grandmother would call me and she'd be like, "Did you eat?" And mm -hmm. that was it. That was like the only question she asked me. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that was her being like, "I love you." Mm -hmm. You know? So like that's just how we like operate. Mm. Like I just how I like I don't know. How I have to feed you. I like when people eat well. <laughs> how has your identity and that background and your family really influenced you as you've navigated through the medical institution? And you, we rarely see people and women of color um, represented in these institutions. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, my mom. So my mom. My mom has probably been my biggest influence in my life. She was first. She's a first generation immigrant here. Um, so she was born here, but her parents were born in DR. And it's like, I feel like that just shapes who you are. Like, she was the translator in her house. She was the oldest in her family, too. And I'm also the oldest in my family. So I feel like that basically defines me. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, <laughs> literally. Like, so she had to really, like, pave her way, like, bulldoze her way, mm -hmm. like, through America and, like, mm -hmm. everything. Um, and she did a great job. Like, <laughs> she was able to go to Columbia University. She got her PhD in clinical psychology. And I think the biggest thing to, for her was education because that's something her dad really instilled in her. And that's something she instilled in me. And she's like, I could care less about anything else as long as, like, you get your education. And part of, like, having an education, I feel like there's a lot of um, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but like, there's a lot. You there's a lot of like power that you feel of like. There's a lot of capability that you feel, um, because it's like one of the best like social mobilizers. I feel like mm -hmm. in our society. So, um, and especially for women of color. So she was always like, something she always says to me is, "I want the best for my children." Like, period. No matter what, like the best. So. For me, that was, like, the best elementary school I could go to, like, in New York City. Or, like, the best, like, house possible that she could afford on, like, a single mom's salary. Like, the best everything. And so even, like, that went for college and that went for, like, everything else. So she was always that person that saw beyond, like, where I could see. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that I've kind of adopted that for, like, when I think about problems, social problems that I want to address, like I think I like see beyond. I try as much as possible to be as visionary as possible and like challenge a lot of things that we take for granted. <clears throat> um, and I think that's like the beauty of women of color of like they've had to like tear down walls in this society to see beyond. And we're like incredibly resourceful because we've had to like navigate this world in such a windy way mm 
-hmm. like get around all these things we can't just go through the normal path because it's just not like Mm -hmm. made for us right so i think that's an amazing thing about women of color and like why we bring so much to the spaces that we come into um because we just know how to um not even work around like we just know how to get things done period Mm. however way we need to get it done like <laughs> we just know how to validate, get things done. right validate <laughs> affirm right if there's something that we want to get done we're going to get it done no, like no matter what um so my mom has been a huge like person influence in that way um and then again like growing up in American culture and like being the oldest in my family like it's just very I've been very like programmed to be caregiving and like self-sacrificing and generous and like community oriented so all of these things kind of uh created my my values around what it means to ha- to like deliver healthcare or like be in the healthcare field or public health or etc um um so yeah and like also my siblings are very young so that's why it's like this very like maternal thing mm-hmm. <laughs> for me mm-hmm. um so yeah, and then of course my stepdad like was also in the healthcare field, so I saw that. And so my stepdad was a, a physician, and my mom was a clinical psychologist. So I've gotten the like fusion mm-hmm. of like psychology and like analyzing people's behaviors, maybe mm. to a fault, but <laughs> but also like the medical health, public mm. health part together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. I also think of like you were talking about that example of the needle exchange in Washington Heights and Mm -hmm. how like a lot of those like joyful just like celebratory environments that can still have like this amazing health effect Mm -hmm. like really addressing like serious health issues but in a way that's like just so joyful like I feel like if we propose like yeah play bachata music at the clinic like to these like ivory tower medical institutions they're like that's unprofessional like that's not professional (laughs) like that's not professionalism like you're supposed to like have this like hierarchical type like you know all the knowledge like that's going to be your interaction encounter but like I think like what you were saying we're really like redefining and challenging like no like these can really be encounters that are human and are like and really do integrate a lot of aspects of culture and joy in things that can be serious to our everyday life so like yeah I just feel like those are un unacknowledged like health narratives that mm-hmm. like medicine just like for some reason does that like doesn't acknowledge but like is so integral to like the justice I really see for a lot of people and communities in need because like that's where we are for sure medicine needs to be more celebratory less pathologizing mm. yeah yes so I was just talking about how like I feel like a lot of medicine is in a very like deficit framework like Mm -hmm. you are not enough in this way Mm -hmm. or you are not at this ideal and we are not given like tools like nutrition like Mm -hmm. exercise Mm -hmm. like question mark like Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I I'm like coming up with this advice out of the top of my head because there are no formalized ways that we're given um, affirmation based trainings to help our patients and I'm like bruh like what like I have to outsource you to a nutritionist like I should be knowing that if I'm trying to promote your health you know what I mean also these standards and these like the way we measure deficits is completely based off of white health Mm. like white health standards like and it's just crazy like Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
so I mean, we are learning like you know these cutoffs, these thresholds. And I'm like, what is this? Do what? this and that, and then you know, uh, multiply this times this to find this risk factor. If you're black, multiply times one point zero two. Right. Do you right. Know? And it's just like GFR. Wait, what? Yeah. GFR. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Probably Flax or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. What it's is like it? with chronic kidney disease. Who knows? And then also mm -hmm. in nutrition, you know, stop yeah. eating salt, or you should be conscientious <laughs> about your salt intake oh, no. after fifty. Or if you're African American, yeah, like, yo. and it's like, wait, what? Like, how are we? Anyways. Or the, the, remember we learned about alcoholism, and it was like, if you've ever binge drinked in your life, you're a risky drinker. It's like, oh, yeah. what? It was like, if you ever had, <laughs> it's like, if you ever had more than, like, four drinks in a night, then that's like. But it was like, ever. Like, not even, yeah. like, in the last month. It was like, ever. Yeah. Then you have to do additional screening. It's like, what? Like, <laughs> this just makes no sense, period. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Medicine has a long way to go, y'all. Long way <laughs> to go. Has a long, long ways to go. And mm. um, so, I guess I'm curious just to know more about like what being a woman of color means to you. And I know that you recently started a little, a cool little project. If you want to tell us a little bit about those two things. Yeah. Um, I just started this email subscription. It's called Dulce, and it's named after my grandmother. Um, her name is Dulce Adriana Perez. Um, so Dulce just means like sweet in Spanish. Um, and so my grandmother like passed away a few years ago. So I always like to like honor her as much as possible in like anything that I do. Um, and uh, it's like these emails that you get once a week that just have like self-affirming uh, self prose, self-validating prose, or just like, words of encouragement, empowerment, et cetera. Um, but specifically geared towards women of color. Um, and it goes, it goes along these lines of like, women of color not being taught to kind of prioritize their, themselves um, or prioritize their health and prioritize self-love in their life. Um, but us being like integral to society like <laughs> we are like the foundation of society so <laughs> like there's just not we enough made appreciation yeah. <laughs> yeah for us right. um yeah yeah as a as a subscriber to dulce <laughs> i can say like you got these emails um from dulce every monday morning at 9 a.m um <laughs> Girl, you like, got that to the t yeah, yeah um because i really enjoy reading them yeah, okay. and I feel like it's just something, it's very affirming, it's very validating for women of color, and I think it's really amazing, like really beautiful that you created a space for us, um, and they're doing something to uplift us. I think that's really cool, and I really like, like, so just so you don't, in case you don't know, uh, India writes some of them herself, or she finds other things from like other um, women of color poets, or anyone who wants to submit any prose or anything that they're sort of like reflecting on. Um, as well, so if anyone can submit something, Bendy, I know you've written at least two of the posts yourself. Yeah. Um, what's that process been like for you? Oh my God, it's been, it's been weird. I've never <laughs> written, I always feel really corny when I write anything. <laughs> oh my God. In gosh. particular, yeah, it's Every such a weird anything, process. Like, you're in your head, like, is yeah. this yeah. Mm. I used to have this diary where I would be like, oh my God, don't read what I said. <laughs> <laughs> if, like, if you find this, don't read it. I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. So mm. like 
it's been forcing me to not only read other women of color's work, which is really great, but mm-hmm. um, writing stuff when I feel like I can't find anything that kind of encapsulates what I'm trying to communicate, mm-hmm. um, and particularly in like poet in a poetic form, which I think is really cool because you get to use a lot of like imagery and like different ways of writing things that are less straightforward, but still like can hold a lot of different meanings. Um, so yeah, it's been really, I really like it, this whole like dulce process. Um, and I try and put like little like practices or exercises for self love in the emails. Yeah. Yes, I, I forgot to mention, in addition to getting the prose, she also like, there's a little message in there, sort of like this week, focus on this or do that. Or it's really cool to give yourself a little goal for yourself that week too. Mm-hmm. So, um, it is Monday, so there was a new Dulce post out today. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be interested in reading it for all of our amazing uh, listeners, our other women of color? Yes. Like to empower them. Yes. Okay. Um. <clears throat> Okay, so this one is, the subject line is, you make me feel small. I love you because you make me feel small. Every day I am expected to be big, for this is how we have defined success in this world. For this is how we are greeted with respect in this world. With each layer upon layer of accolades, degrees, and forced confidence, I grow bigger. With each gimmick, each dance to meet the expectant eyes of blank white faces, I grow bigger. Arming myself long before any war was declared, I march around at bay, and with each step, I grow bigger. I come home to the innocent faces of the ones I live to love and protect. I stretch and I stretch and I stretch until I am big enough to scare away away their demons, big enough to carry them across the boiling waters, big enough to swaddle them all to sleep. But over time, I become bulky, shapeless. I am so large, I almost topple over, my weight misdistributed. I have extended myself across so many acres and let so many overstay their welcome that I can no longer call this land my home. Over time, I become drained, inflamed and disingenuous, with no place or person to drop off this load. But you, you scrape off these rusting layers, strip me of the many letters that follow my name, leaving me with nothing left to prove. You take apart my guns, piece by piece, leaving me with nothing left to fight against. You melt away all that is left until I am bare. You tell me how brilliantly I shine in all this nakedness, leaving me with nothing to hide, yet everything to celebrate. In your grandness, you make room for both me and my inner child. You shrink me until I am small enough to curl up into the palm of your hand. And it is there that I rest, secure, peaceful, myself. A whole of a woman, you make me feel small again. Thank you, India. Oh my gosh, jeez, <laughs> yes. India, we are so grateful to have you and to learn from you. I oh, felt like this you. conversation was so revelatory in so many different aspects of medicine that I'm not familiar with, but like 
I'm so glad that we have people like you really advocating for this. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah, thank you. Love you, girl. Love you. <laughs>